Donald Lee Barnett was never destined to be a traditional Christian pastor. His teachings began with refusing to recognize the traditional Holy Trinity, something that got him banned from three separate churches. But then he started promoting a sexually promiscuous dance ritual that he claimed brought congregants closer to Jesus. It also led to a disturbing string of deaths. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sinister Societies, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week, we're going to cover your favorite cults, faith followers, and secret societies. We'll look at how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. Today, we're going to tell you about Donald Barnett's Community Chapel. The congregation was housed in a sprawling complex in Washington state, where residents were instructed on everything from who they were allowed to date and how they should wear their hair. And then Barnett's spirit took a trip to heaven. The trip, or fantasy, led to him creating an intimate dance ritual that he called spiritual connections, where congregants would pair up with people other than their spouses And it would, of course, be followed by jealousy, divorce, reported violence, and multiple deaths. And a quick warning, like many of our episodes, some of the content we're going to discuss today may be triggering for some listeners and absolutely, definitely is not suitable for children. Up until the naked dancing bit. (laughs) It's pretty standard Christian stuff, I would say. Yeah, he just got kicked out of several churches for denying the holy whatever. Yeah. The Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, that is going to upset some people for sure. But the who you're allowed to date, how you wear your hair, hmm. it's on the orthodox side, but oh. it's not completely unheard of. But then he was like, I have this sexual dance. So yeah, I feel really strongly about how you cut your hair, uh-huh. but nudity, no problem. Uh-huh. And especially intimate, sexy dancing with your non-spouse. Mm. And it's going to lead to some death. I'm not going to lie. It's going to lead to people being very turned on and then it's going to lead to some deaths. As usual. Prepare yourselves. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into Donald Barnett's early life and how he established 
the community chapel. Donald Lee Barnett was born in Idaho in 1930, during the Great Depression. His parents were reported to be God-fearing. And after high school, he, of course, went to Bible college. While there, Barnett met and married a 16-year-old student named Barbara. 16 years old? While he's at college, I guess in America, are you a bit younger, actually? Because they don't do year 13. So I think they go to uni when they're like 17? 16, 17, All right, fine. And then Barnett got a job as a draftsman at the airline company Boeing. But his true passion was studying the Bible. Something his co-workers noticed when he chose to read the Bible rather than socialize with them. So I just looked up what Idaho's state motto is because it's my favorite thing. Hit me. It's actually in Latin. Oh, Um, hello. Hello. It's (laughs) Esto Perpetua. Would you like a guess at what that means in English? (laughs) Don't look it up. No, no, I wasn't. I was looking up something else. (laughs) Okay. But I was going to guess. Perpetua, I mean, I guess means forever. Yeah. Esto. What's Esto in Spanish? Estar. What is Estar? Estar, it is? To be, like the verb to be. To be forever? So it's be eternal, yeah. Which doesn't mean much, Idaho. To be honest, I'm unimpressed with you. Bit cryptic. Yeah, try harder. Barnett started teaching Bible study classes in the Boeing cafeteria. I'm just trying to eat my lunch, mate. I know. I just don't have my jacket potato with beans and cheese on it. I don't want to hear about Jesus. Thank exactly. You, I've got to get back to bloody writing up some draft documents. And it's the 50s, so you know they're all drunk as well at the cafeteria. <laughs> they're like, do you mind? I'm just trying to eat my fucking steak, Diane. Excuse me. Drink my. I'm trying to drink myself whiskey. to death over here. <laughs> but the classes actually became quite popular. And when this happened, he was like, I'm ready to move out of this cafeteria. I'm taking this show on the road. Into the big, wide world of Bible classes. Of Idaho. Exactly. Esto Perpetua. Esto Perpetua. (laughs) Jesus. And he wasn't on his own, because remember his 16-year-old wife, Barbara? Well, she helped him bring in new students who she met while welcoming new neighbours into the area. That sounds pretty predatory, Barbara. I bet Barbara was a bit of a looker. Yeah, and I bet she had a mean Muffet basket game. I bet. Just uh, show up and be like, Welcome to the neighbourhood. Join my cult. Join my Bible study class. Join my husband's Bible study class. Because <laughs> it's the 50s. I can't run my own Bible study class. And then in the 50s and the early 60s, Barnett expanded his Bible studies classes to three different churches in Seattle and Des Moines. But he was dismissed from all of them for teaching what was determined to be false doctrines. Can't be doing that. No, it's a tricky, tricky line to tread. Barnett argued that God was singular consisting of only Jesus. Okay. Now I not a big bible, don't know, but I'm guessing the problem is that it's the holy trinity thing, isn't it? Yeah. Cuz there's the G- what? There's what? Yeah, go on. The Holy Ghost. Yeah. The Holy No. Spirit? The holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are the same thing. Okay. The Holy Ghost. Jesus. Yeah. And God. Yes, well done. <sighs> yes. And they are inextricably linked, but also one in the same. So it's three things that's actually one thing. This is a, such a fucking myth. But like the way I was explained, had it explained to me at convent school, was like you look at the three leaves of a shamrock. Uh-huh. And it has three leaves, but it's still how one. How Irish Catholic, exactly. <laughs> still one shamrock, even though it has three parts. And that's how the Trinity was explained unto me. So Barnett, after being cast out, took his Bible classes back into a home. His students were passionate about his teachings and some sold many of their possessions to help finance the construction of a Bible school in Washington State. Hmm, here we go. 
By 1969, Barnett's exploding congregation was able to buy more land, where they built schools, a sanctuary, a printing press, and a recording studio. And then the church reached its peak in the 70s, when its property value reached $10 million, and its follower count was 4,500 members, which doesn't seem that many for $10 million. Because it's property, property mm. value. That's it. He was like, I'm not going to piss money away on these bloody photocopiers. We're buying a printing <laughs> press and we're spending all the money on bricks and mortar. And you're absolutely right. That's totally what he did because he opened 20 satellite groups in other locations. Safest houses. Safest houses. It's like how all co-working spaces are like, we're a tech company. It's like, no, you're an estate agent. That's literally all you You are. just own this building. Can I have an extension cord? We don't have any, but we're a tech company. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get into some of the church's teachings. Church members were instructed by Barnett about every aspect of their life, especially around dating and relationships. Barnett himself said he was getting revelations straight from God. Of course, I mean, you can't just be like, look, I'm telling you. He's like, I'm getting it from God. Yeah, you can't split people off from the Holy Church unless you are convinced or convincing Mm -hmm. that you have got the real deal. Absolutely. Jesus has got your ear. Among the rules that govern the church, two main laws stood out in particular. One, in order for a divorced person to date or start a relationship with a person of the opposite sex, they had to first obtain permission from Barnett himself. Classic. Number two, people who were in the process of separating or divorcing were forbidden from starting a new relationship. No exceptions. I think he might be end up being an exception for me. <laughs> so church leadership gave seminars on topics like how to keep your yard, dress standards, how to be a good wife, and how to choose makeup. Saruti Barlet, what are your top three <laughs> tips for how to be a good wife? <laughs> Am I doing it through the eyes of somebody in 1969 or in modern day? Whatever you think is going to be funnier. Ah. Uh, I'm going to go modern day. Okay. Modern day, how to be a good wife. You can't say blowjobs, by the way. (laughs) God damn, that's all I had. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) How to be a good wife in 2022. Um, If he comes home really drunk and pisses the bed, don't make a big deal about it. Mm -hmm. Just wash the sheets while he's in his hangover of shame. Mm Mm-hmm. Second would be don't make him go to your friend's gender reveal parties. <laughs> Leave him alone. Leave him alone. And third is if you are watching a box set together on Netflix, do not watch the next episode oh, without yeah. him. In secret. That is just... Like a conniving snake. Like yeah. a little conniving mm. witchy wife. Don't do that. But those are pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank yeah, you. Well done. Thank you. Now you are in the cult. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but back to this. So those are the kind of seminars that they are handing out at the church, not that we are obviously condoning. Bulletins were also posted around the grounds of the church complex with warnings from church leadership. One in particular warned men against using unisex hairstyling salons. Good move, to be honest. Don't want to go there. Mm -mm. They might give you a lady's cut. And then what are you going to do? Well, be horribly embarrassed, one Mm. would imagine. And there's no way you could save yourself then. (laughs) And in case you're wondering, what specifically did that warning look like? Well, dear listener, I'm about to tell you because this is an exact quote of what that warning said. 
Our church stands opposed to any hairstyle on men, which tends towards the mod, rebellious, or effeminate, exclamation mark. As a pastor, I am very much against a fad that is growing for gentlemen to get permanence at unisex styling salons. Please do not identify with the effeminate, unisex, homosexual fashion trends. All manly all the time. Yeah, Superman and also very North Korean. Mm, It is very North Korean, yeah. Around 1977, the church laws were rewritten so that a four-member board led by Barnett were the only decision makers for the group. No democracy here. Barnett also insisted on kicking out members who did not give a full tithe to the church. I'm assuming that means literally all of their money. Full tithe, please. One yike. (laughs) As time went on, the governing rules increased in severity. A new dress code was enforced for church members. Women were instructed to dress feminine and avoid, quote, sloppy shirts and jeans. (laughs) That had become popular at that particular time. I mean, it was all the rage in the 70s, wasn't it? Wearing a big old sloppy shirt and some leggings or some mom jeans. He didn't like it. He didn't <laughs> what like did you it. Just say? Mom <laughs> jeans. Mom jeans doesn't mom sound jeans, the same. It doesn't sound it doesn't, doesn't right. Work. It doesn't sound right. And on top of the jeans laws, pork, shellfish and alcohol were all banned. Ugh, no drunk surf and turf. For God's sake, <laughs> I'm leaving. And that was because Barnett's interpretation of the Old Testament meant that they weren't allowed. Interracial dating was banned as well. There's fuck all about that in the Old Testament. Let me tell you that for nothing. (laughs) And new engagements could only be announced after Barbara was informed. So she's got her grubby little mitts in this whole mess as well. Mm -hmm. She's like, look, listen up, husband. I brought a lot of these people here. I want some sort of control say. Barnett also created something called Operation Rescue where church members were told to report each other's faults to the pastor. So it's like a typical 1984 spy on your neighbours. Report your neighbours. Narc hotline. Precisely. Straight to God via the pastor. He also started teaching about demons, saying that they needed to be cast out of your body in order for you to be pure. Would you like to know how Barnett would cast these demons out of his followers? Well, church members would gather around someone who was presumably full of demons, hold them down, and then shout prayers at them for hours. Excellent. Good. Saturday night, baby. (laughs) It's not even very imaginative. He could have done something more with that, I feel like. Coming up, how Barnett introduced a sexually charged dance ritual called Spiritual Connections that led to mayhem amongst the members. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. 
the cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So let's get into Donald Barnett's teaching of spiritual connections, which led to all kinds of unintended consequences. They're the best kind of consequences. Unintended and unexpected. That's the name of your country album. (laughs) Unintended and unexpected. (laughs) Which will be true, because then there'll be a picture of me underneath it on a country album. And you will have inexplicably somehow managed to not be tone deaf. (laughs) (laughs) It can't be done. It's honestly, it's one of my favourite features about you. How tone deaf I am. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. (laughs) I went to a pub quiz the other day and the music round, which is my eternal fear that I live in, that somebody will make me go to a pub quiz and then look at me for answers, look at me with questioning eyes when the music round starts. And there was one point where I like, it was Kylie Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head. Yeah. And it started and I was like so excited because I thought I knew it. And I was like, it's the Bloodhound Gang. Oh my God. But in my defence, everybody listening now... Pause and listen to the opening bit mm-hmm. of Kylie Minogue, Can't Get You Out of My Head. And then immediately la, listen la, to... La, la, that bit. And then, and then immediately listen to the opening bit of Bloodhound Gang, Nothing But Animals. I feel like there's a resemblance. Do you know what? Sometimes you really pull it out of the bag. But for context, dear <laughs> listeners, my favourite game to play with Saruti is when we're in the car and she cannot recognise the song no. until the words start. Even it's then so sometimes. Funny. Even then sometimes. Sorry, I just really out no, you No, there. no, no. It's fair. So, in 1983, Barnett reported that his spirit had been taken to heaven where he sang with angels and felt the, quote, oneness of being with Christ. So he's allowed to be in the Trinity, just not God, no yeah. problem. And this trip served as an inspiration for new dancing activity that Barnett called spiritual connections or rainbow rhythms. During church services, members were told to find a dance partner or connection. The pair would meet in the aisle of the church and stare into each other's eyes. Barnett said that by staring in this way, they were actually seeing Jesus in each other's eyes. I don't want him in there. (laughs) Get out, Jesus. You're poking me. Following the service, each pair was supposed to spend time together in a kind of quasi-dating relationship. Pairs often became physically intimate. That happens if you look into someone's eyes for a long time. And you see Jesus in there. Okay, exactly. I'm going to become Doing a little dance. absolutely insatiable <laughs> if I see Jesus dancing in your eyes. So they'd be physically intimate with each other despite their marital status. And these pairings were taught to be more intense and desirable than marital love. Okay. Yep. No pursuing actual relationships, though, apparently. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Barnett preached that these spiritual connections would help defeat jealousy and open a person up to the love of Christ. Really, 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 do you think that getting a bunch of married people together and allowing people to have a spiritual connection, quote unquote, have sex with somebody that's not their spouse, Mm -hmm. is going to defeat jealousy? Or do you think it's going to increase jealousy? Well... And murder? (laughs) I think that... 
the argument, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's arguing anything. I think he just wants to fuck everyone. But if I were to try and construct an argument, mm-hmm. I would say that it's exposure therapy, yeah, I would say. Yeah. He's like, you'll be desensitized yes, exactly. yeah, to yeah. jealousy because some really horrible stuff will happen. Because you'll be so jealous all the time, it will just become your base level. <laughs> and you'll stop feeling it. It also, this spiritual connection, intimate dance ritual that he introduced also led to a falling out between Barnett himself and his wife, Barbara, who wasn't happy when Barnett started taking vacations with his spiritual connection partner. Uh-oh. Here we go. And so, of course, unsurprisingly, just like Hannah and I predicted, the ritualistic dancing led to jealousy and fighting among other married couples too. Barnett claimed that the jealousy was a result of demons. Okay. One church member also said about the spiritual connections dances, quote, The present teaching is very dangerous because it leads to emotional breakdowns, divorce, tearing apart of families, death and destruction. I think anyone could have told you that. Uh, Yeah. One member who struggled with the spiritual connections was Janet Cole. A former elder of the church said he noticed a change in Cole once the ritual began. Cole apparently reached out to a former counsellor at the church to talk about medications and to see a psychiatrist. But Janet Cole's husband, however, was against her seeking help and said again, just like Barnett, that her issues were caused by demons. Those demons are coming very handy for, mm-hmm. for everybody, aren't they? To explain away all of the things that people don't like about being told what to do all the time and being allowed to, you know, yeah, have spiritual connections, quote unquote, with other people. Cole began to think that her five-year-old daughter, Brittany, was possessed by demons, similar to the ones that she was experiencing. What, because the people surrounding her in this incredibly restrictive church kept telling her she was filled with demons? Yeah, and if all of your problems are demons, Mm -hmm. one would assume if a new problem crops up, your first port of call would be demonville. Like if your five-year-old famously doesn't listen to everything that you um, tell her to do, she must be full of demons. Yeah. And because of this, this is really tragic. In March 1986, Cole drove to Portland and drowned her daughter in a motel bathroom. Oh, no, Janet. Yeah. She apparently believed that all children who die automatically go to heaven. So she was saving her daughter from damnation by killing her, just like Andrea Yates. Yeah, it doesn't get much more insane Mm-mm. than that, unfortunately. I mean, you can see here that Janet Cole, whether it was sort of like predisposed in her or whether the delusions were brought about by incredibly restrictive behavior within the church, but she's clearly dealing with some incredibly aggressive delusions here. And it's often people who are predisposed to psychosis for whatever reason, often it will rear its head in a religious form because your religion quite often contains what you're most afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you are predisposed to some form of psychosis and you've had a religious upbringing. Exactly. Yeah. In the ensuing trial over the killing, Cole was found not guilty due to mental illness, which is an incredibly difficult thing to pull off. But it doesn't mean you get away with it. And sometimes it's actually much worse. And also here, I would say it's incredibly rare that people get found not guilty by reason of insanity. But I would say here that she is absolutely insane. Yes. So it was the right decision. And she was committed to a mental hospital. The death of five-year-old Brittany seemed to be the start of the church's downfall. Barnett's own son reportedly left the church. Barnett's brother, who was also a pastor, stopped communicating with Barnett and refused to send students to Chapel's Bible College. Barnett's brother said this of Donald Barnett, I think the basis for his downfall is very frankly his pride. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. It became a prideful thing, an exclusive elitist 
type of church. Another church member, Kelly Scott, was reportedly despondent after her husband began an intense spiritual connection. Just in case anyone's not clear, a spiritual connection means an affair. (laughs) An intense affair. (laughs) The husband got sick and his spiritual connection partner moved into the home to take care of him. Very awkward throuple there for Mm. Kelly. Kelly asked friends to pray for her as she was experiencing demonic problems like jealousy. In December 1985, Kelly died by suicide. Another church member, who also struggled with the spiritual connections, also died by suicide in March of 1986. Bad times. Yeah, I mean, so those spiritual connections really not causing any problems at all. No worries. This is the thing. It's like you're completely restricting these people, obviously, from other outside influences because that's what you do when you end up in a religious community or a cult like this then you only have your partner Mm. or your immediate family and the church to like lean on. But then the church is saying it's acceptable for this incredibly like heartbreaking thing to happen where your spouse is like having quote unquote spiritual connections with other people in the church. And you're not allowed to complain Mm. about it because if you do, that means you're full of demons. And even if you don't complain about it, but you feel sad about it, you also feel terrible because you think then you are full of demons. And the problem is obviously if you really believe it, It's like it induces psychosis in you. Yeah. Because you will become convinced that there's no way to be free of this. This is the thing. Like, nobody drowns their daughter in a bath unless they really, really believe that demons are happening to them. Absolutely. And this is the thing is like, imagine you are having incredible feelings of intense jealousy because your husband is having an intense spiritual connection. Then you go to the church, you tell them that, and they perform one of their weird exorcisms where they hold you down and shout at you for hours. After that, imagine you still feel jealous. Now you become convinced that you can't be exorcised. Those demons Mm -hmm. are there forever. Of course, then people end up dying by suicide because they feel completely hopeless and trapped. And again, this man, Donald Barnett, was doing all of this just so he could fuck about. Yeah. Yeah. Up next, we'll get into the downfall of Donald Barnett, which came after church members alleged that he had, of course, sexually assaulted them. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. So let's get into the spate of lawsuits against Donald Barnett, which embroiled the church in scandal and caused many members to leave. In 1986, three former members of Barnett's church filed a civil lawsuit against Barnett, saying that he had sexually assaulted them during what was supposed to be counselling. Barnett, according to the suit, convinced them to have sexual contact with him, saying it was sanctioned by God. All three lawsuits were settled out of court and Barnett never commented on the cases. Another suit was filed the very same year by another member that alleged assault and malpractice by the church. 
Carol Gabrielson claimed that she had been handcuffed and forcibly removed from the church during a service. She also alleged that a former church staff member had swayed her into having a sexual relationship, at least partially the result of the sexually permissive atmosphere that Barnett had created. Carol was eventually awarded $130,000 in damages. He's got 10 million. That doesn't sound like enough. Wow. In addition to the lawsuits around the same time, two church members were convicted of child abuse and three others were convicted of failing to report suspected child abuse. And this is the thing. This is what's going to happen when you are in a community that is completely isolating itself from the wider world. Like, of course, I'm not saying everybody there is some sort of sexual deviant, but it is a beacon for people who would like to be sexual deviants because it's a place to hide in plain sight. Mm. By March 1988, the church elders had had enough and they voted to remove Barnett from the church. In order to do that, they needed to file new papers to amend the previous laws that had guaranteed Barnett his position as pastor for life. The church elders wrote letters to Barnett that they distributed to the congregation, laying out their reasoning for removing him. One was his supposed coercion of women and threatening them with banishment from the church unless they lied about their sexual involvement with him. One of the letters stated, quote, For well over two years now, you have steadfastly rebuffed and refused to cooperate with the many who have sought to work with you to help resolve your habitual sexual immorality problems. Your continuing sinful attitude towards this whole issue is, in fact, worse yet than your sexual sins. I think we've all got habitual sexuality problems. <laughs> they don't like his. Okay. They don't like his Fair because enough. they are immoral. Yeah. And I would say they yeah, are. Yeah, no, I'm on your team with that one. Barnett, in response to this letter, said that he had repented for his sins and that the church elders were guilty of the same things that they accused him of. A lawyer representing the elders in the case said that Barnett had admitted to 27 acts of adultery with four different women. Can you define adultery for me? Can I define adultery? Well, I would have understood it to be fornication outside of holy matrimony. Exactly. So, technically, if you're both not married, it's still adultery. One of you doesn't have to be married, or if you're both married, it's like oh. sex outside of marriage, full stop. I see. So therefore, you know, when we were watching that satanic documentary yesterday, mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. kid was like, oh, I've broken all of the Ten Commandments, even though he'd never been married. I see, I see. Oh, interesting. Barnett was at first forbidden from entering the church because of the lawsuit, but there were still followers who took his side. They held church in a rented room above a bowling alley, the Glamour, where Barnett swore he'd go to court over his illegal ousting. I love the idea that the whole thing was like, we're going to live outside the system and fuck civil society and fuck law and all of that. We'll live by our own rules. But then the minute he's kicked out, he's like, I'm going to go to court. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, They'll save me. It's not the first time a revolution was started above a bowling alley. <laughs> a judge eventually ruled that Barnett could return to the church until the court made a final ruling on the new papers. By this point, both the church elders and Barnett had restraining orders against each other. <laughs> and during the course of the legal battle, Barnett claimed under oath that he had never pleaded guilty or been convicted of a crime. But that's just absolutely not true. Police reports revealed an extremely different story. A report uncovered from 1975 showed that Barnett had pleaded guilty to exposing himself and masturbating in front of maids at a hotel in Las Vegas. Like fucking, all right, Louis C.K. Oh, the poor maids of Las Vegas. Yeah. And he was charged with open and gross lewdness. 
and then charged a fine of $100. There you go. That's all it takes. In 1988, a court gave ownership of the church property to the elders. In 1990, the church complex was bought by an investment company, and Donald Barnett went on to found another church in Washington. He eventually died in 2017, at the ripe old age of 87. Well, I think what we've learned Mm. is if a middle-aged man tells you not to get a perm, he's trying to fuck your wife. (laughs) That's my takeaway this week. And if you get jealous when he does, it's because you're full of demons. So that is it, guys. That is your Sinister Society's episode on the Community Chapel and Mr. Donald Barnett. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you weren't too sick. Follow our rules for how to be a good wife in 2022 and uh, have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. And we just wanted to mention that for today's episode, we reference the reporting of the Cult Education Institute, the Seattle Times, and the book Churches That Abuse by Ronald M. Enroth. And remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every single week. You can listen to this and all episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, make sure you follow Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us and you'd like to hear me and Hannah talk about some other sorts of true crime, then you can come on over and listen to our weekly true crime podcast, Red Handed, where by the time you're listening to this, probably it'll be out, is a two-parter on the evolution of the satanic panic in America. So how it started in the 70s with all those serial killers running around, scaring everybody, the Ouija board, the exorcist, etc., to full-blown, gruesome, gruesome murders involved in that all the way to modern day and how it never really went away. It just kind of turned into QAnon. Yeah, Satanic Panic and QAnon are the same thing wearing different jumpers. And to find out how that works, you can come over to the mothership red-handed and we will see you there or here next time. Goodbye. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo, Gemma Waters and Tracy Levy. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood and fact-checking by Cara McAleen. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. <laughs>